switch tonight to Lamentations chapter number 4. Or what technically would be the fourth lamentation. And I think that it was in Sunday school, but I don't remember, uh, that I mentioned when we finished with Lamentations, we were going to turn our attention to Song of Solomon. I hadn't thought about that until just a little bit ago, but we're going to be dealing with two radically different expressions of poetry. I did not intend deliberately do it for that reason, but... Book of Lamentations is a series of poems Jeremiah wrote. Uh, Let's pray, and then we will turn our attention to the fourth chapter this evening. Father, uh, help us to have a right appreciation for historical events from the Old Testament that had, of course, great importance to the people who lived through them, and there were many of your people who did. And they have instruction for us, and we do not want to be foolish to ignore uh, the seriousness with which you take the lives of your people. And so we pray your blessing in uh, these studies in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, uh, the book of Lamentations comes at the very end of the Babylonian invasion of and assault upon the nation of Israel, specifically the capital city of Jerusalem and its devastation. Uh, as we will note in a minute, first, uh, that at, at first glance, Lamentations 4 will sound very much like Lamentations 1 and 2. Um, <clears throat> There are, some, there are some differences, and I, I'm going to try and make some argument for them. Uh, and we've mentioned, and I assume that you already knew, that with the exception of chapter 3, each one of the chapters is 22 verses long, which is the exact amount of consonants in the Hebrew alphabet, that Lamentations 1, 2, 3, and 4 are all alphabetical acrostics, and the difference with chapter 3 is that three verses... Um, use the same consonant and then move on to the next consequent, not next consonant. Lamentations chapter 4, so then by verse count, if you were counting the verses, has the same amount of chapters as Lamentations chapter 2, but it is only about two-thirds as long. Um, <clears throat> chapter 2 is actually written in a three-line format of poetry and Lamentations chapter 4 is written in a two-line format of poetry. So although the same number of verses and following the same alphabetical acrostic pattern, it is significantly shorter and it's only about three-quarters as long as chapter 1. And next week when we turn our attention to Lamentations chapter 5, we will note that it is even shorter than the other ones, again, although containing 22 verses. The repetitious nature of the lament shouldn't surprise us. 
Um, because, folks, it is the nature of human beings to repeat themselves. And we are more inclined to repeat ourselves when we are either sad or excited. So, I mean, and I'm not trying to be funny, but if you'll think about a disagreement or argument that you had with your spouse, you would probably note that you make the same statement of fact multiple times. We are repetitive by nature. And when, when something thrilling happens, right? I mean, you know, here's five guys sitting around watching a football game. They're all watching the game. They've all seen the play. And yet when the play happens, then we have to have a, re a rerun of the play. And I'm not criticizing that. And then we're all going to talk about the play. It, it's the nature of humanity. So for Jeremiah to come back and to say some of the things that he has said and note some of the notations that he has noted a second time is, should, should not be a cause of criticism on our part, but a recognition of the fact that particularly when we are emotionally invested in something, we are repetitive. We say the same thing again and again. And, and God himself tends to repeat himself to us. And part of that is reflective of the fact that when it comes to many things, we tend to have pretty short memories and pretty small attention spans. So, so let's turn our attention to then to this fourth of the fifth laments. And we're going to begin by reading verses 1 through 11 this is the first section. We're going to divide the chapter. I'm going to divide the chapter uh, for, the, for the sake of the outline along, along three ways. And, and the first is, in verses 1 through 11, a revisitation of Israel's misery. A revisitation of Israel's misery. And the entire purpose of verses 1 through 11 is to reflect upon the fact that this is one utterly crushed, people that's the, that's the point that's, that's where we begin so chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 we have been utterly humiliated how is the gold become dim how is the most fine gold changed the stones of the sanctuary are poured out in the top of every street the precious sons of Zion, comparable to fine gold, how are they esteemed as earthen pitchers, the work of the hands of the potter? We've been humiliated. The gold has lost its luster. And immediately we, we're brought into face-to-face into -face -face with the fact that Jeremiah is not talking about money. Right? This is poetry. Our wealth has been tainted the beauty of our sanctuary, our temple, lays in ruins. The, the stones are thrown around the streets. Our young men, the true source of our wealth, our greatest natural resource, not precious metal, but precious people, are counted like the cheapest of household dishes. Common wear. We have been humiliated. Verses 3 and 4, we have been impoverished. Even the sea monsters draw out the breast. They give suck to their young ones. The daughter of my people is become cruel like the ostriches in the wilderness. 
The tongue of the sucking child cleaveth to the roof of his mouth for thirst. The young children ask bread, and no man breaketh it unto them. We have been impoverished. Even the wild animals are able to feed their young. And if you have a King James Bible, you, you know the word because I just read it. It's, it's, it's called there in verse number 3, the sea monster. Um, three other times that Hebrew word is used in our King James Bible. and those other three uses, it's called dragon. If you're sitting there with an ESV in your lap, you know that the word has been translated with the word jackal. Nothing resembling a sea monster. I took the Hebrew word and plugged it into Google Translate and it came up with the word alligator. So let's not bog down in the minutia of the, of the translators or the problem with translating a Hebrew word into English. Notice the comparison that Jeremiah is making. Number one, we have been humiliated. Number two, we have been impoverished. We are reduced to living a life that is lower than that of a wild animal. Even a wild animal can feed its young. We can't. We don't have the resources to feed our children. And thirdly then, in verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, we have suffered these embarrassing reversals. They that did feed, feed delicately are desolate in the streets. They that were brought up in scarlet embrace dunghills. For the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom that was overthrown as in a moment and no hands stayed on her. Her Nazarites were purer than snow. They were whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than rubies. Their polishing was of sapphire. Their visage is blacker than coal. They are not known in the streets. Their skin cleaveth to their bones. It is withered. It has become like a stick. We have suffered embarrassing reversals. The rich are ruined. The rich are ruined. And there is this interlude in verse number 6. That the destruction of Jerusalem came as swiftly and in some ways was more devastating than the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. In other words, folks, for we the reader, if you want to get some reference of what happened and what it was like and how quickly it came, go back and read the book of Genesis. Go back and read about the day that God visited Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone. And there was no hand that was there to help her. That's what he means. No hand stayed her. There was none to help. There was no ally that came to her rescue. There was no emergency relief fund. There was no outpouring from other nations to come and aid her. When God was done with Sodom and Gomorrah, folks, there was nothing left. And when God was done with Israel, there was almost nothing left. And the only reason that there was anything left it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. It's because of the covenant that he made with them. And Isaiah makes the same argument. Except there was a remnant. We had been like Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And even her most dedicated, right? The rich in verses 5 and 6, or verse number 5. They that did feed delicately are desolate. The Bill Gates and the Warren Buffets of the world are now homeless. And people who ate the finest of foods are now rummaging in the garbage bins looking for something to eat. But even those who were highly regarded and well esteemed for their spiritual commitment, verse number 7, the Nazarites, her Nazarites were purer than snow, they were whiter than milk. Everybody suffered, folks. Everybody suffered. Their visage is black, blacker than a coal. They are not known in the streets. Their skin cleaveth to their bones. It is withered. It has become like a stick. Now, I'm not... <clears throat> these, are, these are natively dark-skinned people, Israelites. And, and Jeremiah is describing the effects of starvation. They, they have become like stick figures. And their skin has turned black. And, and, and I understand that Start, one of the effects of starvation is to make the ends of the extremities dark. And I don't know that's what he's referring to. We have suffered these embarrassing reversals. The dedicated have been brought down. The wealthy have been impoverished. In verses 9 and 10, we are starving. We are starving. They that be slain with the sword are better than they that, be, they that be slain with hunger. For these pine away, stricken through for want of the fruits of the field. The hands of the pitiful women have sodden their own children. They were their meat in the destruction of the daughter of my people. How bad is the starvation? Better to die by a bullet than to starve to death. And how bad is the starvation? Exactly what God said. Women were eating their own children. Women were eating their own children. So verses 1 through 11 are a recitation, a reminiscence of the misery of the nation of Israel that it has suffered. Verse number 11, summary of the entire thing. The Lord hath accomplished his fury. This is the work of the Lord. This is the work of the Lord. If the Lord hath accomplished his fury, he hath poured out his fierce anger and hath kindled a fire in Zion and it hath devoured the foundations thereof. And at this point, I want to ask you to, well, we're going to come back to Lamentations chapter 4, and I'm going to ask you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 19. The reason that Jeremiah can accurately call it the work of the Lord, the Lord has accomplished his fury, is because it is the word of the Lord that he would do so. Jeremiah chapter 19. Verse number one, thus saith the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen bottle and take it to the ancients of the people and of the ancients of the priests 
And go forth unto the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the east gate, and proclaim there the words that I shall tell thee. And say, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, which whosoever heareth his ear shall tingle, because they have forsaken me, and have estranged this place. And it burned incense in it unto other gods whom neither they nor their fathers have known, nor the kings of Judah who have filled and have filled this place with the blood of the innocents. They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that this place shall no more be called Tophet, which means fire nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And I will make void the counsel of Judah and Jerusalem in this place, and I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies, by the hands of them that seek their lives, and their carcasses will I give to be meat for the fowls of heaven and for the beasts of the field. And the counsel that he's talking about there in verse number 7 was all of the prophets of good that were flooding the land. And all the people who are issuing messages of optimism. It's not that bad. It's going to be okay. We're going to win. Verse number 8. I will make this city desolate and in hissing a whistle. Everyone that passeth thereby shall be astonished and hiss whistle because of all the plagues thereof. And I will cause them to eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters. And they shall eat everyone the flesh of his friend in the siege and straightness wherewith their enemies and they that seek their lives shall straighten them. Then shalt thou break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee, and shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Even so will I break this people in this city, as one breaketh the potter's vessel. They cannot be made whole again, and they shall bury them in Tophet, till there be no place to bury. Thus will I do unto this place, saith the Lord, and to the inhabitants thereof, even to make this city as Tophet and the houses of Jerusalem, and the houses of the kings of Judah shall be deviled as the place of Tophet, because of all the houses upon whose roof they have burned incense unto all the hosts of heaven, and poured out drink offerings unto other gods. Then came Jeremiah from Tophet, whither the Lord had sent him to prophecy, and he stood in the court of the Lord's house and said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon this city and upon all her towns all the evil that I have pronounced against it, because they have hardened their necks that they might not hear my words. So he goes out, folks, to a very common public place, basically the city dump. The Valley of Hinnom, where the fire burns all the time. And he preaches that message that nobody wants to hear. And were we to keep reading in Jeremiah chapter 20, Jeremiah will actually be put in prison for preaching this message. Everybody wants to hear positive, upbeat messages, optimistic messages, messages of triumphal, triumph, triumph, and Jeremiah's message is, God is going to desecrate us. And now he has. <clears throat> and now Lamentations number 4, verses 1 through 11, is a remembrance not only, folks, of the devastation that God wrought, but of the word of the Lord that predicted it. 
and the people would not listen. We want always to remember that, folks. They would not listen. They would not respond when the Lord instructed them like this. So that's the first section. It's the largest part of the lament. Let's move secondly then to verses 12 through 16 and the revealing of Israel's criminals. Who ultimately bears responsibility for this? Verse number 12, The kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. For the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just in the midst of her They have wandered as blind men in the streets. They have polluted themselves with blood so that men could not touch their garments. They cried unto them, Depart ye, it is unclean. Depart, depart, touch not. When they fled away and wandered, they said among the heathen, the nations, they shall no more sojourn there. The anger of the Lord has divided them. He will no more regard them. They respected not the persons of the priests. They favored not the elders. It is the work of the Lord fulfilled, 4.11, in fulfillment of his word, which they would not hear, Jeremiah 19.15. Who are these people? And, And folks, again, Jeremiah begins by pointing out that this shocked the world. That if you had gone to those nations and asked them if you, had, if you had any expectation that Israel would fall like a house of cards, they wouldn't have believed it. And who are the criminals? Those who are her prophets. Those whose primary ministry is the proclamation of the word. They were preaching bad words. False prophecies. Her priests, those that God entrusted with offering the sacred offerings... And rather, verse number 13, rather than be a help, which is what a prophet or a priest should be, they were actually victimizing others. Those who should be leading were actually blind, and those who should be clean are actually polluted. And so the people themselves, verses 15 and 16, became like the prophet and the priest. And this section concludes, as the first section concluded, this is the work of the Lord. The anger of the Lord hath divided them. He will no more regard them. They respected not the persons of the priests. They favored not the elders. So a recalling of Israel's misery. This is the work of the Lord. An indictment of her criminal leaders. This is the work of the Lord. Not that he turned them into criminals, but that he called out their crimes and he dealt with them because of them. Which brings us then, verses 17 through the end of the lament, the recompense for her conduct. 
Again, folks, to quote Solomon, the curse causeless does not come. God is not throwing a temper tantrum. He is not out of control. He is not in a blind rage. This is all deliberate and calculated, which in some ways makes it a little more frightening. Verse number 17, As for us, our eyes as yet failed for our vain help. In our watching, we have watched for a nation that could not save us. I still remember my wife and I went to Israel in 2008. And you could walk down through the little shops in the tourist section of Jerusalem and buy t-shirts that had a fighter jet on it that said, don't worry America, Israel will save you. We have worn our eyes out, verse number 17, looking for help, and yet no help comes. There are none that would help. There were none that could help. God dried up any hope of help. And again, folks, there's a context, context for this because Israel had historically been looking to other nations and military alliances to deal with their spiritual problems. I mean, these nations that were coming at you can go all the way back into the, I mean, this is, this is the framework of, of Isaiah, 150 years before this event. I, Isaiah chapter 4 and 5 and 6 and 7. Right? All of the political intrigue of trying to make alliances to prevent the Assyrians coming. Why are the Assyrians coming? Because these are a disobedient people. Well, what if you just repented and became obedient? No, 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 that's not the answer. We need, we need guns. And I am not a true Christian nationalist, folks, but what's wrong with America is not, is not going to be solved with money or bullets. Back to, the, back to the lament. Verse number 18. We are pursued. We are never safe. The end is near. They hunt our steps that we cannot go in our streets. Our end is near. Our days are fulfilled. Our end is come. There are no safe places. There's no place to relax. There's nothing secure. Because our enemies have hunted us down and gone after us deliberately, 419. Our persecutors are swifter than the eagles of the heavens. They pursued us upon the mountains. They laid waste for us in the wilderness. The recompense of her conduct. The enemy has come, and he has come with an agenda. And not only is there no nation to help us, our very own king is unable to help us. Verse number 20. The breath of our nostrils, the anointed of the Lord. He's, he is here attributing this, right, this kind of national identity to their king. Anointed there is not Christ the anointed, but as the king was anointed. The breath of our nostrils, the anointed of the Lord was taken in their pits of whom we said, under his shadow we shall live among the heathen, the nations. And you can read about this, I'm not going to have you turn to it, but you can read about this in Jeremiah 39. About the empty attempt of the king to make his getaway. 
But in verses 21 and 22, there is one dim glimmer of hope. There is one, and it truly is, folks. It is a glimmer of hope, but it is a distant and dim glimmer of hope. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom. And of course, you know that Edomites were historical enemies. This goes, this goes back to when Edom was not just a nation, but a man and his brother Jacob and their conflict and Esau's despiting of the despising of his birthright. A deliberate rejection of God for the world, for materialism. And Esau is Edom. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, that dwellest in the land of Uz. The cup also shall pass through unto thee. Thou shalt be drunken and shall make thyself naked. The punishment of thine iniquity is accomplished, O daughter of Zion. He will no more carry thee away into captivity. He will visit thine iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will discover thy sins. So there's the dim glimmer of hope. Go ahead, Edom. Laugh at us. Whistle at us. Ridicule our impoverished condition. But know something. This is the last that we will experience like this, but your day is coming. And I mean, here's the reality, folks. Israel lives and Edom does not. Edom does not. So Jeremiah is almost at the end of his rope, right? But again, just as in his personal testimony, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. So the three sections, and each of them ends on a note of God's activity. God has accomplished his fury, how we're in this state. God has accomplished his anger upon the criminals who have brought us into this condition. And God is judging us and God will judge Edom. So chapter 4, folks, to, to close. I mean, this, this would just be my way of looking at the lamentations. right? Chat, and the first lament has as its focus the city of Jerusalem itself. And kind of takes that perspective as if, as if Jerusalem had a voice and could speak about what it was experiencing. And in Lamentations chapter 2, God and his anger are the focus. And in chapter 3, of course, Jeremiah and his suffering are in focus. And in chapter 4, the nation in its whole is in focus. Her prophets, her priests, her inhabitants, her citizens, her king. And then chapter 5 will function as the summary and conclusion to the entire book. This organized, well thought out, well written chronicle of the anger of God visited upon his own people. All right, we're going to stop there if you want to take your prayer bulletin.